millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. Three children and their carer are injured in a shocking Dublin city centre stabbing attack. One young five-year-old girl sustained serious injuries. The victims are being treated in hospitals across Dublin. One man has been arrested. That innocent uh, young school children with their carer should be attacked in such a brutal and a barbaric way. It is an attack on innocence itself, really. There's been widespread condemnation of the attack, which has sparked serious rioting tonight in central Dublin. During the widespread disorder, a Garda car, a Lewis, and buses were set on fire. The Garda boss blamed what he called far-right hooligans. Well, I, I think there's disgraceful scenes in terms of a major investigation, the maintenance of a scene, the gathering of evidence, and we have a complete lunatic hooligan faction uh, driven by far-right uh, ideology. start with a shocking day of violence in Dublin, which saw three young children and their carers stabbed and an evening of serious rioting and looting in the capital. The violence unfolded at lunchtime when five people were injured in a serious stabbing incident on Parnell Square. A man in his 50s has been arrested. A five-year-old child and a woman in her 30s remain in a serious condition in hospital. Two other young children were hospitalised with minor injuries, as is a man who is being treated for serious injuries. One of these children, a boy, has since been discharged. As you can appreciate, this is the very early stages of the investigation, which is uh, not even four hours old at this stage. But at this time, Angara Shigana is satisfied from our inquiries that there is no terror-related activity or related to any wider aspects in relation to this matter. It would appear to be a standalone attack and we need to determine the reasons behind that. Well, serious disorder and rioting broke out tonight in Dublin city centre after protests erupted following today's attack. Garda riot squads have been deployed in the capital to restore order. A Garda car, a Lewis tram and buses were set alight during the trouble. There have been appeals for calm from the Gardaí and government as the disorder was spreading in the city centre. A city centre department store and other stores were looted. Well, I, I think there's disgraceful scenes in terms of a major investigation, the maintenance of a scene, the gathering of evidence, and we have a complete lunatic hooligan faction uh, driven by far-right uh, ideology and also then this disruptive tendency here and engaged then in serious violence. Now, we are drafting in resources to deal with that. 
Well, let's go live to Dublin city centre where our news correspondent Richard Chambers is standing by. Richard, thank you for joining us. Let's go back to that actual attack that happened in lunchtime today. What do we know? Well, it's pretty much as you say, Kira. There was a, a huge scene of disorder and panic uh, right behind me on Parnell Square East uh, at about half past one this afternoon when uh, a man set upon uh, people outside Gwelskull, uh, Kalashta, Vura. Uh, uh, three children were stabbed, aged between five and six. One five year old girl, uh, very seriously injured in this. Uh, her carer, uh, a woman in her 30s, was also uh, seriously injured in this, while a man who was injured. Uh, in the aftermath of the incident uh, is being treated as a person of interest. He is in his 50s, we understand. Uh, and as well as that, it is important to say that members of the public did intervene uh, to try and bring the suspect in this, question, in this uh, case uh, to ground before Gardaí arrived at the scene. You mentioned there that two of those who were attacked were seriously injured. Do we have any update at this point on their condition? No, we don't. We don't have any update on their condition at this point. OK, I understand they have perhaps undergone surgery and if we get any updates, we will bring you that. In terms of the Garda investigation at this point, uh, Richard, where is that at? Well, they're keeping an open mind at this point in time. There has been almost conflicting messages, really, in terms of public commentary from Guardia about this. Uh, Superintendent Liam Garrity uh, of the Garda Press Office saying that at this point they don't suspect any terror-related motivation for this. Uh, they are looking to investigate what is relating to this. Drew Harris, though, the Garda Commissioner, however, saying that he isn't ruling anything out at this point in time. Uh, but they do say that they are following a definitive line of inquiry. They're not looking for anyone else at this stage. In terms of what happened in the aftermath of this attack, there seems to be a small crowd that gathered, Richard. There were protests and then that very much escalated into rioting and into looting. Tell me what you witnessed. Yeah, Kira, this is, is something that's interesting how this unfolded over the course of the day. When we arrived at the scene here, um, approximately probably about an hour after the incident uh, took place. There was already a crowd there of people who were shouting abuse at Gardaí, shouting abuse at journalists and then politicians including Mary Lou Macdonald, uh, the Sinn Féin president who arrived at the scene. Now as time went on more and more people gathered. There was a crowd who was gathered here at this end, the uh, Garden of Remembrance end of Parnell Square East. Further down towards O'Connell Street there was another crowd there. You could hear them from this end of the square as well. And things began to escalate there was organised uh, protests called around uh, the spire on O'Connell Street. But by that point, at 7 o'clock, which is when that was organised for disorder, had already set in. You had had a guard a car which was set ablaze, and you could see that from up here. Uh, there was also uh, other smaller fires there as uh, fireworks were aimed at Gardaí, a number of Gardaí coming under attack uh, over the course of the evening. Uh, but at one point, I went down to O'Connell Street to see how things were unfolding there. And effectively, when you turned the corner from Henry Street onto O'Connell Street, I was met with the sight of a double-decker bus ablaze beside the statue of Daniel O'Connell. It was quite a shocking sight. There was no Gardaí on foot on O'Connell Street. There were various smaller groupings of guys wearing balaclavas, cycling and running up the street, firing fireworks, yelling, kicking in windows of ASICS, the sports shop there on the corner of O'Connell Street.
Street as well, uh, hitting that with iron bars. Uh, other stores have been looted as well uh, on O'Connell Street and on uh, Henry Street. Uh, a Lewis tram also set ablaze, but also uh, a number of Gardaí coming under attack over the course of the evening. Uh, a lot of condemnation politically, as well as from the AGSI representing Garda sergeants and inspectors, uh, and the President Michael D. Higgins saying that uh, people using their ideology uh, and taking advantage of a really serious and tragic incident happening on the streets of Dublin to push their ideology in a violent way as uh, something which he is condemning. And we can see the footage there, Richard, very disturbing footage and quite a sizable crowd. How did the Guardi respond? How did they try to bring this situation uh, under control? Well, we're still trying to piece that out exactly how uh, the exact guard response did unfold over the course of the evening. At various points in time, the public order unit uh, were deployed. If you take uh, around this area of Parnell Square, for example, uh, we had van after van of public order guardy coming down first in soft caps, uh, and then many of them switching into the harder riot gear, the helmets, the shields came out, as uh, some of them uh, sort of battered on by protesters, demonstrators or rioters, if you want to call them that, uh, over the course of the evening. Uh, but over, from what I saw on O'Connell Street. O'Connell Street was effectively a lawless space for a long period of time before Gardaí moved towards the Quays to push them out. Now there have been reports variously of Gardaí moving into other points across the city centre trying to keep things cool, to keep, to keep things calm and make sure there's no further outbreaks of violence there. But uh, really there has been a huge number of Gardaí uh, bust into this area of the city centre over the last number of hours to try and uh, quell the unrest that has uh, really taken hold and taken over the city centre uh, for large parts of this evening. And Richard, where are we at now? I mean, have they managed to bring it under control? Are the crowds dissipating? Have things calmed at all? They seem to have calmed mostly at this point in time. I do understand that there are some smaller incidents, effectively clean-up work being undertaken by Gardaí, uh, really to try and disperse the final groupings of people. Because while there was, and as uh, Drew Harris said, that uh, effectively what they're looking at is a hooligan element driven on by a far-right ideology, there is a feeling among some officers as well that there was a recreational element to some of the rioting that we saw, that there was a lawlessness that set in, that people just took advantage of the situation as it unfolded. So that's one line of inquiry, at least Gardaí are taking on that. Uh, but for the most part, this area of the north inner city is calming down. There is still a, a tension to the air. There have been people who've come up who have expressed dissatisfaction with Gardaí uh, and um, have shouted abuse at Gardaí as well uh, over the last half an hour or so here as well. So uh, things not entirely calm in Dublin city centre. I think people across the city centre are wondering what it'll look like when they wake up uh, in the morning and they walk down the city's main thoroughfare behind me, uh, which has been the scene of such uh, lawlessness over the course of the night, and see what it looks like in the cold light of the day. All right, Richard Chambers, uh, thank you for bringing us that update uh, from the scene. Now let's go over to the Department of Justice, where Claire Brock is standing by with the Minister for Justice, uh, Helen McEntee. That's right. That's right, Kira. Um, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being with us tonight, Minister. Unprecedented scenes in Dublin city centre. Guard the public order units trying to take control of the situation, being ambushed themselves. We've seen shops looted, public transport set on fire. What's your reaction to what we've seen unfold right in the heart of our city tonight? If I could maybe just first, Claire, acknowledge that we witnessed an absolutely horrific 
attack on young children this afternoon, innocent children uh, coming from school, their carer, um, and my thoughts are with those children, uh, with the carer, with their families and the wider community who are really going through a very traumatic uh, experience this evening, and I think all of us are thinking of them, uh, in particular those who are in hospital. But what we're seeing unfold here uh, is a small faction of people who do not represent me, who do not represent the vast majority of people in this country, who have used this horrific act to sow division. They have used this act to come into our city centre and to carry out absolute criminal offences. They're thugs, they're criminals, and that's exactly how they will be treated. The Guardi are responding with force. People are being arrested. People will be put in prison because that's where they should be. And this will continue throughout the night. The Commissioner is on the ground, he's with his team, and he is making sure that order is being restored to our city. Yeah, and I know you've said that, that order will be restored, but we've seen this going on for a matter of hours now. Unprecedented scenes in our city centre. Some would say, we're Gardaí not prepared for possible hostilities and this level of violence that we've seen. What's clear is that there has been a strong presence of Gardaí on the ground all day. They have been visible, they have been present all day. But what was very clear this evening is that a particular group of people, while there were peaceful gatherings in the city centre, there were a particular group of people whose sole focus, whose sole intention was to wreak havoc in our city centre. And I have to say, our Gardaí have responded in the most appropriate way. They've put themselves in harm's way, themselves, emergency workers as well, and they are responding with force. But these are thugs, these are criminals, they do not respond to the Gardaí or to anybody else, and they need to be treated as such, and they will. And we've seen that at least one Garda attacked a Garda vehicle, set alight, not to mention, as I say, Dublin, a double-decker bus, a Lewis set alight, and looting of shops. Utter mayhem. People would say that law an order has broken down. Um, on this, I mean, you say that Garda are able to manage it, but it, it, it would appear they've been overwhelmed by this situation. You met with the Garda Commissioner tonight. Uh, is there a plan of action and where do you go from here? Well, firstly, let me be very clear. Any person who attacks either a member from Garda Siakana or an emergency worker this action will not be tolerated. Only in the last two weeks, a new law has come into effect where a person attacks a Garda member or an emergency worker, they can face up to 12 years in prison. And that is our response in making sure that we keep our Garda safe. The guards themselves, they're doing excellent work on the ground. The Garda commissioner I met with only in the last two hours. Mm -hmm. And he has made sure that whatever teams are needed, are required, our public order unit teams, supported by many others, that they are on the ground, that they are responding, that they are breaking up these individual groups and that they are making sure that arrests are taking place. I want to see people in prison here because these are acts of thuggery, these are criminal acts, and they shouldn't be treated as anything but that. People would also say this has been brewing and there has been a particular Garda strategy with regard to dealing with far-right groups and that strategy has been not to you know, go along with their playbook, not to overreact. Have we seen the fallout from this tonight? Well, what's been clear over the last number of months where there have been protests, Garda have responded in a graduated way, but where people have crossed the line, where people have become violent, where people have become, uh, where they have intimidated, where they have uh, engaged in criminal activity, they have been arrested. There have been many people arrested over the last number of months. But this is not about immigration. This is not about a particular group of people wanting to make uh, a clear message or a point. This is about a group of thugs who are using this really horrific act today as nothing but 
an opportunity to come in and wreak havoc. And can I be really clear, I've spoken not just to my colleagues in government, I've spoken to colleagues right across the political spectrum this evening in the inner city, Deputy MacDonald, my own colleague Minister Donoghue, and many others, and every single one of us are united in our response. These are thugs, these are criminals, they should not be given any air in any discussion. These needed to be treated in the way that they should be. Only a few months ago, following the attack on Stephen Termini in our city centre, you did a walk down the main streets of, of, of off the thoroughfare, off O'Connell Street, and you said, this, this is a safe city. Do you still stand by that? What we're experiencing tonight is not something we have ever experienced. This is a group of people who have made it their ambition tonight to re wreak havoc. This is something we have not experienced before. This is something we have never spoken of before. These people are here to create a, a division based on a horrific event that happened earlier to children. They do not care about these children who are in hospital. Our focus and our priority should be on making sure that these children are safe, that they make a full recovery. But let's be clear here, the Gardaí will respond efficiently. They are on the ground, they are pushing back, they are using force, and they will restore order to this city tonight. Justice Minister Helen McEntee, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you. Back to you in studio, Kira. Well, I'm joined here in studio by Fine Gael Senator Barry Ward, Irish Independent Deputy Political Editor, Hugh O'Connell, Sunday Times Crime Correspondent, John Mooney, and Sinn Féin TD, Matt Carthy. I just want to come to you uh, first, John, for the, I suppose, the very latest on the Guard investigation. We did have those comments from Liam Garrity today. He said they were ruling out that this was a terror-related attack. Uh, what does he mean by that? I think there's a suspicion that the person who is alleged to have been involved in this attack has quite significant mental health issues. And the guards are pursuing that line of inquiry. When any incident happens like this, because this was, this was allegedly carried out by someone who co comes from Algeria, there is a su suspicion that so this may be terrorist related or jihadist inspired. But I think it's really important to say there's no evidence for that. And certainly traditionally, people who are self-radicalized and act in that way, they tend to carry out attacks at tourist spots and places like that because they're looking for maximum impact. Because the Guardian did seem to rule that out, didn't they, very quickly? The I think they're being very careful about what they're saying and they think they, when they say these, uh, make the issue these statements, they're doing that quite deliberately because they're not trying to inflame situations around us because the guards are fully aware we have intelligence units that are doing nothing else but monitoring far-right groups and that they know within a matter of hours disinformation campaigns immediately start or influence campaigns to get people riled up and to organise protests in the hope that they will uh, ignite a violent reaction. And that's exactly what happened today. OK, I just want to go to Independent Councillor uh, Neil Ring, who is also joining us now down the line. Uh, you obviously represent the constituency that has uh, been affected here. Uh, as an onlooker, it was harrowing to watch this unfold. I can only imagine the trauma of people and parents who had children in that school today. And you've spoken to some of them, Councillor. What have they said to you? Yes, a lot of a lot of children from the North Inner City actually go to Gale School, Clash to Wirra, and I would know a huge number of the parents and I'd been talking to a lot of them all evening. Um, I was down in Parnell Street myself up to eight o'clock this evening and it was quite clear that from a very small few people coming along, 
heckling, etc. at about four o'clock. Uh, they were texting, they were tweeting, and as I left, you could see that the crowds were getting bigger and bigger. But it it has to. We have to remember fundamentally, this is about children and a person who were stabbed in broad daylight in the city centre. And um, I know the parents. They the parents are traumatised. The children are traumatised. The staff in the school are traumatised. And I heard the minister talking about as much resources for law and order and bringing these people to justice. And the guards will do a great job bringing them. I hope the the judicial system absolutely works and we see the results. But she didn't mention the resources are now needed to ensure that the parents, the children and the staff in Gael School Cláis de Wirra get the proper counselling they get psychotherapy, whatever's needed through the HSE, through CORU, through whatever group is needed, because they have to get back to some sort of normality. And the North Inner City puts up with a lot of, we had our we had our uh, Hutch Kinnan feud, uh, which was fought out in the streets of the North Inner City. We've got over that. We had to bring in a lot of professionals to, to talk to children, to get them to back to some sort of normality. And I've already reached out to the likes of the GAA and Dublin City Council who are in the area, and they will do whatever is needed to make sure that we get normality back. But the resources of the HSE, um, ter- therapy, psychotherapy, okay. um, whatever is needed has to be provided, and that's the priority here. Whatever about the thugs can do what they like, the, ju- the judges and the guards will look after them, hopefully. In terms of the, the parents and the children, there's obviously the parents of the three children who were attacked here, but there was a period this afternoon where other parents within that school were unsure if their child had been the subject of an attack and that must have been incredibly difficult for them. That was one of the things that came across very strongly talking to two parents. They were in the back lane because they couldn't go in the front because that had obviously been cordoned off. But they were held in the back lane for a period, um, probably between 10 and 20 minutes. But that was enough. As, as one, one chap said to me, he said it was 20 minutes. It was like 20 years. He said, I was in a situation where I didn't know if my little girl was going to come out the door of that school or not. And his daughter did come out, as did a huge amount of the children. But three children didn't come out. And for every parent there, their worst nightmare that was going through their minds is one of my children, one of the children who's not going to come out. All right. And that, that was horrific for them. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to go back to my uh, panel here, Hugh O'Connell, because I do think, just to focus on the victims here, yeah. uh, these children, their carer, the environment, so many of us f- with young children can picture what it is like for a five or six-year-old to step outside their classroom, queue up in their line and wait to go to their after school. They are the picture of innocence and it is it is harrowing and it is very distressing for people and for that community and the parents and the children affected. Yeah, it's unconscionable. It's, it's every parent's worst nightmare, which is a cliche, <clears throat> but it is. And those parents uh, today went through something absolutely horrific that no parents should go through. And I'm also thinking tonight of all of the new parents in the Rotunda Hospital, which is obviously uh, right next door to, to where this happened. Um, and obviously there's been very violent scenes along O'Connell Street tonight and around that area which must be extremely frightening for the parents in that hospital. My own daughter was, was born in the Rotunda. I, I can't imagine what they're going through. And, you know, the advice from the hospital this evening is that, that uh, people should only attend if they absolutely need to do so. So, like, this is a really harrowing situation that has obviously been visited on these families today and, and the, the, the pupils in that school, um, but also, obviously, in the wider community. 
um, a huge amount of trauma has been inflicted uh, by what, what happened this afternoon at lunchtime and what's happened subsequently. Yeah, we see what is happening in town this evening, Mark, Matt Carthy. Do you think there'll be further fallout? Well, I think today, you know, most reasonable people's initial thoughts and primary thoughts are with the families of those people who are injured. We understand that one of the little girls is, you know, in a very serious condition. And I know people in the north inner city and I know the vast, vast majority of them are spending their evenings praying for that wee girl, for her care, for the other people who are injured, for all of the people who were impacted by this and I think the impact will be will be long lasting and um you know, and I think particularly the response that we saw on the spot when children were being attacked with, by a man yielding a knife the instant reaction of people nearby was to jump in and apprehend him um, and I think that reflects the north inner city of our capital city better than anything that we've seen afterwards uh, Barry your reaction yeah, I was actually on Parnell Square uh, when this happened today. I heard the reaction of the children there, which was the most visceral part of it. So Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. So it's something that's desperately frightening. This is not... A headline we associate with this with this country. It's something we expect to see in another country, and I know that the guards will deal with it in the way that it needs to be dealt with. Okay, look, we're going to be discussing this in a lot more detail and focusing in on the reaction on today's riots and looting in Dublin. So do stay with us. Welcome back. Fine Gael Senator Barry Ward, Irish Independent Deputy Political Editor Hugh O'Connell and Sunday Times crime correspondent John Mooney and Sinn Féin TD Matt Carthy are all still with me and we're going to discuss tonight's riots in Dublin which followed today's attack on young children in, and their carer in the city centre. First of all, to come to you, John, we saw at the top of the programme there some of the quite incredible footage that was taken in Dublin city centre tonight. Have we ever seen rioting of that scale in Dublin before? We haven't. Uh, and certainly in all my years of working as a journalist, I've never seen anything like that. I've seen riots in Northern Ireland and there have been limited number of riots in Dublin, but nothing like this. I think this is really symptomatic of a significant problem now that is that exists within Irish society. So this was really organised around five o'clock this evening on social media. And it was organised by elements of the far right 
in a very ad hoc way where there was messages being shared and directions about what to do. But the whole these groups, their, their activities are amplified by social media. That was picked up almost immediately by Guard Intelligence who took action on that. But you were dealing with small groups of people who were moving quite quickly around the city um, using technology to gather muster strength to get people involved. So were you taken by surprise, John Mooney, because you understand who these far-right uh, groups are, were you taken by surprise at how quickly that crowd was able to gather, how it was able to mobilise, and how this escalated? Not really. I, w I was surprised at the intensity of the violence that they engaged in. I think that was slightly unusual. That was, that was really unusual, and that was a first. And I think Guard Intelligence and Guard Headquarters war as well but there were all sort of issues going on that maybe wouldn't be out there in the public domain for example there were threats being there was discussions going on online about attacking prominent politicians marching to their homes uh, engaging in attacks on the doll so the guards are dealing with a live problem that is changing every moment and the dynamics of it are very fluid but i think it's really important on a night like tonight that we kind of really have to start looking at what's going on here. And there's a couple of key issues with all this. Number one is social media companies have a responsibility in all of this. This is organised, controlled and directed by people on these platforms and these companies have a responsibility in that. Secondly, most of the people who are involved in this type of rioting that we witnessed tonight are actually just criminals from around the city. They're petty criminals, drug dealers and people involved in all sorts of antisocial behaviour. There isn't that number of far-right people in the country. They just say they're a tiny, tiny, irrelevant, minuscule political grouping that don't really have any traction in this country. So this is criminality turbocharged by a radical political ideology, aided and abetted by social media. Yeah, because you could see that, couldn't you, Hugh, online today? Initially, there was this real outpouring of grief and fear and anger and worry and concern, but very quickly, there was this underlying tension emerging online as people began to question the identity of the assailants. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, like, you know, there was a lots of videos being shared on social media. There was stuff pinging around WhatsApp. You know, you see some of the Telegram groups that, that operate. It was very clear that there was a very visceral reaction to this from elements of the far right. And that has manifested itself, I think, in, in part in, in groups gathering um, at certain areas. And then, obviously, as, as John said, you know, other elements, uh, thugs, petty criminals, people just out, obviously, to cause a bit of trouble. I mean, we've seen that in, in the looting that's taken place in, in parts of the, of the north inner city um, this evening. Um, and just I, the damage. And the, the damage, damage yeah, done. and the damage. And I think, you know, it's, it's almost tomorrow's question, but I suppose we, we, we'll need to discuss it tonight, is, like, how is this allowed to happen? Um, you know, for example, the Dole, I believe, staff were being sent home at 4 o'clock. Um, I know of at least one government department where staff were told to go home at 4 o'clock. So there was a, an awareness of, of things were escalating. Uh, and so then you have to ask the question as to why then, you know, did Gardaí not deploy resources in, in certain areas where perhaps they should have done? And then, so that comes back, I think, to the commissioner and the questions that he's going to face. And then inevitably it lands in the, into the political space as well. Because it's, okay, okay, but the scale of what we've seen tonight is really serious and something unprecedented, I think, in the city. But, you know, we had very bad scenes outside Leinster House a few weeks ago. Same people involved, uh, I, I would suspect, uh, or elements of, of the same kind of groups involved. 
Um, and a promise then, I guess, from the guards and from the authorities that this, you know, we would be monitoring this more closely. We would expect that this would be monitored more closely. And yet today, something has been allowed to happen that is unprecedented, unprecedented in its scale and has caused real damage and destruction to the city on, on a day of tragedy for the city already because of what happened outside that girls' school. Uh, Barry Ward, did the Guardian lose control of the streets of Dublin this evening? Um, well, look, you look, you're dealing with a group of people who are so nefarious that they saw an opportunity in an attack on three innocent children and two adults outside of school. They saw that as an opportunity to move forward with their agenda. They're a small number of people. They don't represent anyone. They don't have a single public representative in the country. Okay, there's, and, we, we keep and, hearing and this. We is, heard it from yeah. the Minister too. This is a small group of people. And it's important but look, to... But look well, at the footage there. Yeah. It's not an insignificant well, Kira, can I say number either. And they were able to hold the Kira, speech ransom. It's actually very important to make this point because they are a small group of people. And you talked about attention online. Attention online means nothing. The reality is they represent nobody in this country except themselves. And the, the numbers that you saw on the street there were driven by the people that John and you were talking about, petty criminals who saw an opportunity to go looting and causing damage and mayhem. They are not the far right. They are just opportunists. Uh, as to what okay, but you are yeah. also, Barry Ward, you are in Fine Gael. You are the party that prides itself as mm -hmm. being the party of law and order. As Hugh said, and as John said, this has not come out of nowhere. We have seen these tensions build online and we saw them played out in the dial a number of weeks ago. Your party has failed to tackle this head on. No, in fact, if you want to talk about what Fine Gael has done in this regard, it's putting more Gardaí in the street. In fact, of the last... These are fact, unprecedented yeah, scenes. Uh, of, yeah, sorry. Every time something happens that's unprecedented doesn't mean that it's somebody's fault. You will never have a guard on every corner. You can't. If you do, you have a police state. But what you did see was a comprehensive response. And as I said, I was on Parnell Square earlier. The, I was incredibly impressed by the response of the emergency service. Ambulance, Dublin Fire Brigade, Gardaí, who were on the scene immediately and dealt with it immediately. Yes, things escalated late, later on. But because something happened... Like, the fact that somebody, for example, set a Lewis carriage online and the same people waving a tricolour and saying they're taking back Ireland, they don't understand Ireland. They are not... But I'm patriots. asking you... But the point Finnegale is, the point that I'm making here, and I'll answer people. the question, just because somebody sets a Lewis on fire does not mean that that is somebody's fault. The, the only person who's at fault for that is the person who did it. What's now important is that the Gardaí take the steps to bring that person to justice. What's now important is that the Gardaí make sure that people feel safe on the streets. And that's the most important step that's taken now. We will never have a crime-free city. There is no crime-free city in the world. And I don't think anybody expects a crime-free city, Barry but, but Ward. The, I think the, people are the, realistic. But hang on a second, but we are Kira. talking about rioting and looting is, at yeah, a scale that has never been seen in Ireland uh, before. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I was present, as it happens, with the Love Ulster riots a number of years ago. There has been rioting in Dublin there before. Has, but not to but this that, scale. But that doesn't, mean, that doesn't make any of it acceptable. But what I'm saying is, just because something happened doesn't mean that it's anybody's fault except the people who've done it. What's really important now, and listening to the Commissioner and the Minister... Politicians don't have a role well, here? No, sorry. Let me finish. The, listening to the Commissioner and the Minister, both of them said this will not be tolerated. Both of them said they'll be cracked down. Both of them said that will, these people will be brought to justice. And that's the most important thing. Because nobody okay. at any stage will stop committing crime like this if they think they're going to get away with it. So the message has to go out to those people. If you're going to behave like this, you will face the rigours of the law and it will not be accepted. OK, Matt Carthy, the justice system, the Guardi will come down and these people, they will face the rigours of the law. And I hope that's, that's the case. And... You know, obviously, the day that has been in it, I, you know, I'm weary about making political points, to be frank about it. And particularly, I, I think that particularly there are questions that need to be asked in relation to the Garda operation today. But I'm very conscious that in the first instance, 
the Gardaí were on the scene in Parnell Square, quickly apprehended the suspect in relation to the stabbing quickly, and that in the latter part of this evening, Gardaí have been injured doing their job, which is protecting the city. So um, we, we need to acknowledge all of that, but also acknowledge that there are questions around the operational um, aspects of, of today as to how this got out of hand. This is not um, about individual Gardaí's response. No, I know, I know, I, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know that. And mm -hmm. I know our party has already been engage, engaged through Mary Lou MacDonald, who's a local TD for the constituency, as it happens, has been engaged. And, and with the with the Gardaí and with the Justice Minister, and and that will continue, I'm sure, over the the coming days. Then there's the wider issue in terms of policing generally. And the truth is, this city and this state is under resourced when it comes to policing services. There At are which less... point are you not making a political point, Matt? Just so we're clear. I'm talking because this city that. is not under resourced. And if you look at the resources from Gordon Shikhan that come out, the vast majority of them are going to Dublin every time this year for exactly this reason. This entire state has less Gardaí now than when Fianna Gael came into power in 2012. That's not a no, political point doesn't. per se, that's an actual point <laughs> okay, of yeah. fact. But let's just talk... And in fairness, Barry, nobody just interrupted don't, you. Don't, don't tell us you're not making make... political points and then make political points. Let's well, be honest with people. Well, the reality is no government has invested in the Guardi like I wasn't going to make a political point in relation to the operation today, which I didn't. I think it is perfectly valid to say, and I am somebody who walks between Parnell Square because it's where our party's head office happens to be, and Leinster House, regularly. So do there, I. It is not adequately policed. I am saying that as a lay person who walks okay. those streets during the day, I hear from many people who do so in the evenings and they tell me that they increasingly feel unsafe in Dublin city centre. Let's, that is a, 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 okay. a reality that has been reflected to us by community representatives and by people okay. who live in Dublin city. Can and I ask I you a question, Matt? There have been previous instances of protests. We saw these far-right protesters um, outside refugee centres. We saw some individuals outside the Dáil a number of weeks ago. Do you think the policing response in those instances was too soft? I, th I think there is, there is a point to what Drew Harris has said, in fairness, because I do think that some of these protests have been organised with the direct intention of trying to provoke a response from Gardaí. Um, and we know that these protests, by and large, build on what are actual and valid fears that some people within some communities feel that they're not being heard, that they're not being consulted, that, they're, that, that, that services have been removed and that you know, local um, hotel, for example, that might be the last amenity that's left in local areas all of a sudden turned into an, um, a direct provision centre. And, and there are genuine questions that need to be answered. And we know then that there are elements... To make. There I are, think that is an extraordinary There are elements. If you allow me to finish... No, I think it's there a terrible thing elements, to say, Matt, There really. are elements then that exploit those genuine and valid questions that, pe that arise in communities okay. and to try and to, um, to, to provoke All right. the type of response that we saw today. I, think, I didn't think that was actually a point of contention, Barry. OK, we'll frankly. come back to that. Hugh, you wanted to come in. We're just, we, can't, we can't look at this in isolation. It's, it's awful what's happened today, but we can't look at, at it in isolation when you look at what's been happening over the last a few months in terms of the crisis of confidence that rank and file Gardaí have in their own commissioner, this unprecedented vote of no confidence. Um, you know, the government has, uh, I think, wanted to recruit 1,000 Gardaí, has only been able to get 800 this year, has not been able to meet its recruitment targets, people leaving the guards in, in, in large numbers because it's not a career for them. Um, so we can't, you know, we can't discount all of that. 
Um, and then we can't discount the fact that there were very violent scenes outside Leinster House a few weeks ago. And there was a sense that Gardaí were going to get on top of this now. And there has been very large, substantive policing operations outside Leinster House since then, where you've had to come through two or three barricades in order to even get into the building. And yet this evening, what we've seen is something, I think, where it, it just doesn't... I mean, Richard Chambers said it earlier, like O'Connell Street was a lawless area. Lawless space. A lawless space, which is an extraordinary situation. The main thoroughfare in our capital city in that situation because clearly something went awry in the policing response. OK, is it, is it a... Oh, sorry, John, is it a policing problem here? Okay. I mean, are we, are we right to talk about the Garda operation at this point or is this a political issue? I'm going to disagree with everyone. This is actually a societal issue that's happening right across Europe. So people are studying this and doing academic research into it. This is not unfamiliar to us. So you've got problems with the right of, the rise of far-right groups, right in most European countries at the moment, and that's been brought about by stresses put on society, by large numbers of immigrants entering Europe because of all sorts of issues in their own countries and climate change. And you have... And that is leading to all sorts of issues on this, OK? Police forces right across um, uh, Europe are confronting these problems. And it really doesn't matter whether you have a left-wing uh, political party in power or, or, or a middle ground or central right political party in power. They all behave the same way. What is really important to note in all of this is that far-right movements have existed for a very long time, as in have extreme left ones. They act and behave in a particular way. And what we're seeing in Ireland is typical of this. If you overreact to it, and this is where um, Drew Harris is quite an intelligent individual and he's got a team around him that kind of know these issues. You cause these groups to, be, to, to become more cohesive, they become better organised, you create a situation amongst them where there, there is a feeling of um, it's us against them. And the reason why they use a hands-off approach is they're trying desperately not to provoke a reaction but, and also to not cause them to become more cohesive. So that's why this is being handled in a way. But I wonder, has that backfired by what we've seen this evening? Because it has escalated to a point we've never seen before in this country. I mean, you, you see guards being... I've seen videos tonight of guards being assaulted by young thugs. Like, that's not something... And, and this has happened before. Like, you know, there seems to be an increasing sense of impunity oh, among I, I, people. I, to, they feel they can assault guards where, like... Before, it was like you couldn't go near it. No, that's, that's what I'm wondering, I suppose, Barry Ward. Is it a failure by government to take seriously enough no. the threat it's... being presented by these far-right anti-immigrant protesters <laughs> and perhaps law and order not responding in the appropriate way to what we've been calling recreational rioters this evening? No, I don't think it is, firstly. Uh, secondly, it... it Hugh is right. I saw that video as well of a guard and it, it looks very dangerous. But this is extraordinary, as you said. It is extraordinary that this happened this evening. It's disgusting and it's appalling. It will be met by the guardie. The fact that it has happened does not necessarily mean that there is a failure either by the guardie or by anybody else. The people who are responsible for the activity that occurred in Dublin are the people who actually did it. You don't think there's a, a sign of a failure? Barry Ward, the scenes that we have seen this evening that, as you say, we have never really associated with this country before are happening in Ireland on your watch and you don't think there's a failure in that? I, I, I don't know why you insist on finding the word failure as being the response to this. It's a problem, there's no doubt about it. So I think it. actually you brought it's, up the word failure. But, no, I didn't. 
Well, I think you put it in the question you asked me earlier, but I don't think there is a failure. That's the point I'm making. Things will happen. What is important is how you react to them and how you prevent them from happening again. And I saw a very determined commissioner and a very determined minister. A minister who responded, I think, with genuine compassion to the originating situation. Uh, but the terrorism that's been going around online, the only terrorism that's been, been perpetrated today is by the people who are rioting. And unfortunately, as John has said, social media are being used to generate something that isn't there. OK, but what about just very briefly the wider fear? Not the people yeah. who took to the streets and this evening, but the wider fear that will be felt and, in communities and that's what I said. tonight who yeah. once again will say Dublin is not safe. Well, for, I don't accept that. Uh, I do, however, think it's really important that people feel safe. And as I've said a thousand times, Fine Gael is all about building those safer, stronger communities so that we can react to exactly this situation. And the first thing the guards have to do is make sure the streets are safe and make sure, as, as important as that, that people feel safe in the streets and that's what they're going to do. All right, look, we're going to have to leave that conversation there for now. My thanks to all of our guests, to Barry, to Hugh, to John and to Matt. Next, Irish Israeli citizen Emily Hand. She is not on the list of hostages due to be released tomorrow. We'll bring you the very latest from that situation in Gaza. Welcome back. Well, I'm joined by journalist Hannah McCarthy, who was just back from the war-torn Middle East region. Uh, you're very welcome to the programme, uh, Hannah. Uh, in terms of the hostage releases um, that are due to happen tomorrow morning, there are 13 names. The families um, have all been contacted, but this is still a very anxious time, given what happened um, the night before last. But at the press conference today, the Qatari press conference, there did seem to be a sense of optimism that the ceasefire will hold for a couple of days and this prisoner hostage exchange will happen. Yes, as you said, we expected the hostage release to already have happened today and the truce to have started. There's been a delay, but we understand it's more of a paperwork issue rather than, you know, we think a fundamental obstacle. We think there was issues with Hamas handing over the list of the hostages that are to be released tomorrow. Um, we don't know whether that's internal debate over who was to be included uh, or whether it was just communications issues. You know, the fact is they're contacting uh, the outside world while they're in tunnels or in basements or, you know, in hard to reach areas. Uh, the communications uh, networks in Gaza are very poor at the moment. So that's what we understand was part of the reason why there was a delay today. Uh, we did also kind of, you know, get an update from Thomas Hand. He has been informed that Emily's not on the list, uh, sadly, for tomorrow. Uh, but he's positive that you know, she will be out over the next four days. Um, you know, she's, you know, a, a young Israeli dual national uh, this is the target group that's being released. So, you know, we, we're kind of hopeful that she will be out soon. Do we know who identifies what hostages will be released? Uh, well, they're held by three different groups, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and then some smaller Palestinian factions. Um, we don't exactly know what process they have for identifying who within you know, the 50 will be you know, specifically named, but we do know the priority is for children, their mothers and elderly women. Uh, and beyond that, it's, it's kind of, I think, a case of who Hamas can locate easily as well. Um, there will obviously be that really difficulty, won't there, over the next couple of days, and just focusing on the hostages for a minute, that families will be split because there were husbands, wives and children who were all taken hostage at the same time and obviously men of a certain age will not be released. Yeah, it, it's a heartbreaking time, I think, for the families of hostages because uh, there's some who are waiting to see whether their families will be included or not and there's some that know 
that their husbands, their brothers, uh, you know, their sons won't be included uh, in this hostage group. Uh, there is a mechanism for uh, Hamas to extend this truce by um, releasing an additional 10 hostages. Uh, this will give them an extra day of a truce. Uh, so it's possible that, you know, other people will be included in that. Uh, but again, the priority at the moment is children, uh, their mothers and elderly women. Yeah, and the priority, I presume, in Gaza is to try and open that crossing and get in a significant amount of humanitarian aid, food, water, medical supplies uh, and fuel. One of the other stories coming out of Gaza today was the director of Al-Shifa Hospital, which we will all be familiar with. Uh, he was detained. What do we know about his detainments? So he's been detained by Israeli forces. They have um, produced uh, you know, footage of what they say are Hamas tunnels under Al-Shifa office, which they say, uh, you know, use the hospital's electricity supply uh, and were used, you know, relatively recently. Obviously, we don't have international or um, you know, observers in verifying this, but they say that there's no way that these Hamas tunnels could have uh, been operating without the knowledge of the Al-Shifa hospital director. And on that basis, they've detained him uh, and you know, they're interrogating him over what he knew uh, and when he knew it. Um, in terms of uh, what's happening in Beirut, I know that's where you've spent uh, a lot of time and where you've been based recently. There was a very significant meeting there today, wasn't there, between the Iranian uh, foreign minister and uh, a leading uh, member of Hezbollah. Tell me about uh, that meeting and the statements that came out after that. Sure. So uh, Hezbollah are obviously, you know, sponsored by Iran uh, and both have kind of close links with Hamas. Uh, Hamas have, or sorry, Hezbollah have not been you know, party to the actual truce negotiations that have been going on between uh, Israel, Qatar, Egypt, and Hamas. But we understand that Hezbollah will you know, follow the truce tomorrow. At the same time, they've said if the truce isn't respected, that there will be you know, regional spill out. Um, and they've said basically, haven't they, that what has been happening up to now will not continue. So there seems to be a threat from Iran, from Hezbollah, that they will get involved at the ceasefire ends. Yes, at the same time, I think Hezbollah, it's kind of clear that we know that Hezbollah wasn't fully aware that the 7th of October attack was going to happen. So it is in the middle of a war that it hadn't necessarily planned on having. Um, so far, while there has been an escalation beyond what we've seen you know, in previous years in its you know, fighting with Israel, uh, it still has been following a kind of tit for tat pattern. Uh, so, you know, so it's more threatening language, do you think? At I think point? from what we've seen from you know, Nasrallah, the Secretary General of Hezbollah, is you know, a lot of rhetoric. But we're not yet at the point where we feel that you know, Hezbollah uh, want to significantly escalate this war, particularly while Hamas are clearly quite weak. All right, uh, Hannah, we're going to have to leave it there. But thank you for coming into us in the studio this evening. That's it from us and from all the late team here. Uh, thanks to all of our correspondents, our camera operators in Dublin city centre and all of our guests. To you at home, good night and do take care.